think this thing is on. Okay. Good morning from the Hague Stefanik basement and many thanks to Mark and Mike for inviting me to give a short presentation during this week's forum. Um, they asked me to speak on the topic of the music of Holy Week. And as anyone who's experienced Holy Week at our church knows, that's a very large, diverse topic. It encompasses the Dixieland music that we hear on Palm Sunday, traditional hymns and spirituals, and the Hallelujah Chorus with full brass ensemble. And the music of Holy Week also spans some of the grimmest and some of the most joyous music in the, in the Christian tradition. And so even if I had all day, um, any overview or history that I gave you would just miss a lot of really important things. So what I do want to do today is to invite you to sit together and do some focused, engaged listening. So often, especially now that we're experiencing live music only via live stream or recording, or maybe not live music at all, I find myself really missing the experience of just sitting down, tuning things out, and taking in some music. And so I'd like to do this today. And don't worry, it'll just be for six or so minutes. Before we listen, I'll spend a few minutes just talking about some things that we might pay attention to as we listen, not just in the music I picked for today, but really in all of our musical experiences. So for Holy Week listening, I want to use two relatively short sections from uh, Johann Sebastian Bach's Mass in B minor. And I'm going to share my screen here. Here we go. Yes, I'll get the slideshow running. Here we are, great. So right, I want to use two short movements from Bach's Mass in B minor, the Crucifixus and the Resurrexit. Um, and I want to stress that, that this isn't because classical music is more important or holier or more worthy of our engaged listening than other musical traditions. Um, it's just that I happen to know this music pretty well. Um, and because in my mind, I always associate these two little sections of the Mass, the Crucifixus and the Resurrexit, with Good Friday and Easter weekend. Not just because of the story they tell and the part of the Christian faith that they concern, um, but also just because of the extremes of grief and euphoria that, that these two movements present that, and that are really at the heart of the Holy Week experience. Um, an, another reason I had for picking these, uh, these sections of the Mass is that the Mass in B minor is a massive, massive piece for full chorus and orchestra. And throughout this year of social distancing, I've been absolutely inspired by how my friends and my colleagues have made solo and small group performances happen, um, whether in some kind of socially distanced way or via Zoom. It's been really extraordinary to see all the creativity that's gone on. What I've really missed, though, is the experience of seeing a hundred people on stage playing and singing together. And that's absolutely what you get uh, with the Mass in B minor. And so I wanted to sort of take this as an opportunity to just sit down and experience the full force of a chorus and orchestra singing at the top of their voices, or in some cases at the bottom of their voices. So really quick, um, just some context about this piece. I won't go into a whole lot of detail because I'd rather spend time talking about listening and doing listening, but what in the world is the mass in B minor anyway? Well, it is a setting of the Mass. 
specifically the parts of our liturgy that are rooted in the Latin Mass and that we say regularly every Sunday, um, or at least for um, part of the church here, it becomes part of our regular Sunday rotation. Um, I will say that the Mass is actually in Latin, um, but don't worry, I'll give you the translation. And in any case, the words are very, very familiar to you. Um, for example, we have five, you know, really large sections of, of this piece. There's the Kyrie, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Gloria, glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth, the Credo, a setting of the Nicene Creed, and so on and so forth. Um, and by the way, for those of you who are classics minded, you might have noticed that I oversimplified something. Yes, the Curie is in Greek, not in Latin. And so use that factoid to impress your friends next time you're talking about Latin masses. If they say, oh, I went to Latin mass this Sunday, say, ah, did you leave out the Curie? And that will either impress or annoy them. And the crucifixus and the resurrexit are from the credo, right? Whoops, are from the credo, the sections where we profess our belief in the crucifixion and the resurrexit. Um, obviously, words that we say every Sunday, but that have special resonance during Holy Week. And I could go on and on about the history of Bach's B minor mass. Um, it's a there are some really interesting questions and and stories that that underlie this this music. Um, but I want to focus on some big questions for listeners. And you can keep these questions in mind, not just as you listen to the B minor mass, not just as you listen to classical choral music, but really in any of your musical listening, whether you're encountering um, this little light of mine in church or our gathering song, or for that matter, if you're listening to the Hamilton soundtrack or perusing Spotify, these are, are questions that, um, we can all keep in mind as we listen and that I certainly try to keep in mind um, if I want to get more into my listening. So first, the first um, point I want to make to for us to listen to, sorry I'm fussing a bit with my computer so that it, my screen doesn't obscure the words, um, but first listening to or for that matter singing vocal music is all about spending quality time with the words. Vocal music is all about spending quality time with the words. So these are the words that Bach set in the Crucifixus and the Resurrection. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. When we say these words in church, they are so familiar. We say them virtually every week, um, and they also fly by in seconds. It took me maybe half a minute to say all of those words. Um, the story is over in a flash, and we move right on to professing our faith in the Holy Spirit. But in the music we're going to listen to, Bach takes these two moments of the creed and stretches them out for six to seven minutes. We get to spend exponentially more time with these words than we do on a typical Sunday. Um, 
The music repeats the words and phrases, stretches them out, passes them back and forth between the voices. So we get time to mull them over and really ponder them. And really one way to listen to music like this is as a form of devoted contemplative reading, turning the words over and over in our minds. Um, and if we're singers, turning them over in our voices and thinking about them and what they mean, possibly on a very granular level. For example, listen to what Bach and the singers do with just the word crucifixus. He was crucified. Um, Oops, sorry about that. I'm going to get my, oh, criminy, stop it. There we go, back you are. I'm going to get my audio example or my audio clip. Here we go. Um, so listen to what Bach and the singers do with the word crucifixus. And what you'll hear is that you can hear the voices almost hammering the first two syllables, cruci and then sighing or weeping on the last two, fixus, crucifixus. So when we listen to this music, we have a chance to really notice um, the sheer harshness of that word, crucifixion, and all that it means, and also to imagine the sorrow and the pain that go along with it. So here we go. As the, the music for the crucifixion goes on, um, you'll hear the voices joining together in rising and falling patterns. And when I hear this music, I always imagine just an ocean, even a universe of pure, unmitigated grief. Voices upon voices weeping over a shared or private loss and filling the space with their pain. Bach also creates, creates just an electrifying contrast between the images of crucifixion and resurrection. Um, I won't play that moment for you because I don't want a spoiler here. Um, let me just say that if you have your volume cranked up right now, you might want to crank it down again when we get from one moment to the other. Um, and again, when we say these words in church, the narrative flies by faster than a movie trailer. In a few seconds, Jesus has died, been buried and risen on the third day. When we sing and listen to this mass, however, we encounter just two totally different musical and emotional worlds for these two different parts of the creed and of the Holy Week story. And so when we hit the resurrection, the effect is like the entire world splitting open, but in a, in a good, positive way. One thing you'll notice is that when the voices sing that all important word, resurrection, resurrection, resurrected, 
their melody seems to float and rise. It might call to mind the ascension as much as it does the resurrection, a flight into the atmosphere rather than just a flight out of the tomb. Um, the long runs in the coloratura might make it even seem like the singers are laughing with joy. The second thing to listen for um, here and in any of our music that we listen to is what do these sounds and styles mean to me and my world? So music, even church music, is always of the world. The styles and the sounds that we hear evoke worldly things for us, some of them cultural, some of them highly personal. For example, when we have blues musicians come to play for our blue Christmas service, they're bringing to the worship experience a very specific musical tradition with its own rich history and cultural meaning. History and cultural meaning that most of us know at least a little bit about, and that is part of our experience of that service. And Bach's Mass in B minor is full of music that evokes aspects of the world that Bach, his singers, and his audiences knew. It's constantly presenting the liturgy in ways that spoke and in many ways still speak to a human audience. One simple but really striking example I want to point out is where the trumpets jump in at the very start of the resurrection. It's one thing that makes it such an electrifying moment that you'll hear this burst of brass going on in the orchestra. And this doesn't only make the resurrection louder, although it certainly does that, and trumpet players are really good at that. Um, think of all the places, the situations, and the ideas that trumpets and brass bring to mind. We might think of militaristic associations, military bands, military parades. Um, but that's not all, of course. We might think of royal or state occasions. Think of all the brass we heard at the inauguration in January. We might think of stadium organs rallying the fans and the team with a da-da-da-dum-ba-ba fanfare. <clears throat> or we might think of Dixieland bands, right? When we hear the trumpet, our most immediate association might have been, oh, when the saints. Or we might just think of the sheer brightness of the sound and the sheer shininess of the instruments. All of these things can come to our imagination when we hear this moment in the music, when all of the trumpets suddenly join in. And really, um, one, of the, one of the great things about this worldly aspect of music is that it really invites us to use our imaginations and to think about how and where this music speaks to us in our own personal experiences. So, I'm, I'll stop sharing now. There we are. I want to stress that Again, these are questions we can think about whatever music we encounter in church, or indeed whether we're listening to sacred or secular music. Um, we can always take the chance to spend quality time with the lyrics and really turn them over in our minds. And we can let our imaginations and our memories um, engage with the music that we're hearing and try to think about what it might mean for us personally, where it might hit us in our world. So with that in mind, I want to spend some time listening to these two sections of the Mass in B minor, the Crucifixus and the Resurrection. I'll switch us back to the words so that we can savor them and stay in the moment. Um, I thought about sharing a, a video performance of a choir or orchestra, but then I decided, you know, it might be really rewarding just to commune with and meditate on the words while we're listening to the music and to really let the music guide us through um, these words that we know so well. 
So I'll switch back over to that and share my sound. Um, the recording, by the way, is with John Elliott Gardner and the Monteverdi Choir. I like their recording, but there are so many good ones out there. Um, have a wonderful Sunday and enjoy this powerful example of music that evokes Holy Week and its range of emotions. Thanks very much. Oops. Let me share that again. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs>